can we get the clip of Julius Randle confronting a Nick staff member going? I mean, did, have you guys seen this clip? This is just, this is, this is, I don't want to say Did you see him sitting by himself, like on, like all the way to the end of the bench as everyone was else was like huddled talking and he was just sitting by himself? Yeah, I mean, he played for the Pelicans. He played for the Lakers. So I know Mike supports him. I, I support Julius Randle. I, I don't know what's going on right Whoa. now. I mean, I I support him as a businessman, you know, like I think he's a <laughs> This means you don't support him. It's okay. You can not support no, him. No, like, no, yeah, I mean, like, have to support him. <laughs> What's up guys? Welcome to the Laced Up podcast. Are we being trolled right now, Mike? What the fuck? Can I walk off right now? <laughs> Put that on a poster. Whoa. Now it's just an all-star game right now. You're such a bully! You don't deserve LeBron James, all right? It's insane. And you deserve exactly what happened to Chicago over the past decade. <laughs> so how'd you and your ex-girlfriend break them? <laughs> Bro! <laughs> Kidding! Was it because you were bad at basketball? <laughs> yeah. Yes! So we heard the demand and we saw the comment and after a decent amount of you guys have been begging for his return, Mike Corzemba decided to graciously rejoin the podcast. Welcome back, Mike. We're happy you're feeling better, bro. Thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you for holding it down. First of all, it means a lot to me because, you know, I've been, I've been sick for literally like two months now, basically, but for the last two weeks, it was, it was bad. So thank you guys for, you know, holding it down so much, you know. Loving the podcast growth, loving where we're at, loving the energy that we've been having. Can't wait to, you know, keep going with the two podcasts a week. Um, but yeah, so it's the NBA trade deadline. I mean, I can't even talk. I mean, yeah, but it's the NBA trade deadline. I feel like uh, thankfully I was able to come back at the perfect time. So, I mean, with the trade deadline in mind, any anything that sticks out to you guys specifically? The one thing that sticks out to me the most is the fact that this podcast is uploaded six hours earlier on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. What? Six hours sooner than when we uploaded to YouTube? Yeah, make sure you guys check us out on Spotify and Apple if you guys want to get these podcasts soon enough so you could listen to us yelling at each other on your drive to work or drive back. But obviously, yesterday, the Cleveland Cavaliers decided to reunite Karis LeVert and Jerry. Jared Allen by swinging a pretty in impressive trade, in my opinion, sending over Ricky Rubio, a bunch of second round picks and a lottery protected first round pick and receiving Karis Levert in return. Guys, what are you thinking about this, man? I think Cleveland going out and getting Karis Levert is a pure luxury. I don't think they needed Karis Levert by, you know, any means. I think there are some question marks that come with Karis Levert's health. And I'm a guy that loves Karis LeVert. He's a hooper. He's a bucket. He does what he does. Um, you know, I still think he's a good player. I still think he's way above average when it comes to playing basketball. But with LeVert, there are definitely some question marks. And, you know, I'm a little surprised that Cleveland went out and made this move because I thought they would be more in the market for maybe a 3 and D player. Not a scorer like Karis LeVert. It, 
the the one thing that's a little bit awkward is dependent upon when Colin Sexton returns. I was under the impression that he's out for the season. While you verify that, I will say um, <laughs> I would love to talk more about Colin Sexton maybe in another pod because so much trade deadline stuff going on. But yeah, I feel like he's one of the biggest mysteries in the NBA right now, right? I mean, guy who put up crazy scoring numbers as a young player who for some reason basically couldn't be traded for like a bag of chips it seemed like you know like he had like a weird low trade value for a young player um over the summer and then we watch as Darius Garland you know evolves into an all-star literally like at you know the same position basically as Colin Sexton so I'm very interested interested to see what happens with Colin Sexton I will say with um Karis LeVert you know hope him the best and I, I just say, like, I'm, I'm not sure how good he is at this point. Like, I mean, man, the man just dropped 42 points, like, in his last game with Indiana, you know. So, he could be absolute bucket for them. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm still not sure. And I have been sick. So, I don't want to give full too much that. But I will say, good for the Cavaliers in terms of winning now, you know. Like, they're building a winning culture with Evan Mobley. You know, that is something that I think is extremely, extremely valuable. They've started to win. And they're continuing uh, on their winning ways. Now, as long as they don't mortgage their future for their present, then that's fine, you know? But like, I just, I believe in building a winning culture and I like what the Cavs are doing. I am a huge, you guys already know, I've said some really, really wild stuff on this podcast. And one of the more wilder takes I've ever had was saying that I liked the Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant this year than with Kevin Durant. And that's just a testament to how much of a firm believer I am in ha in building your own team within and then also adding tremendous depth to it. And when you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a significant amount of depth. The only kind of the only um, issue that I think they have is they could use an upgrade at the backup point guard position. But that's just me nitpicking, man. Like you have Karis Levert, uh, who you could either start or bring off of the bench. You have Isaac Okoro. You have Evan Mobley. You have Kevin Love, which is which brings valuable championship experience to that team. Jarrett Allen. I mean, I could go on and on about this team. Um, that's without even mentioning Darius Garland. I love this trade. You're not really risking too much. You're trading a player that can't play for the rest of the year. And Ricky Rubio, a couple second round picks and a lottery protected first. A plus for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, for the Indiana Pacers, I give them an A as well because they're being very realistic about where they are as a team right now. They have a bunch of good assets. They're selling on those assets. They're getting... Um, they're getting draft capital in return. And Coop and I have talked about this in the past. We love this year's draft class. This is the year to suck. So I love what I love this trade all around. So um Yeah, with uh with the Cleveland Cavaliers, super proud of DG. Um, just my closing thoughts. Feel bad for Ricky Rubio. And I agree with Corzimba. It's awesome that they didn't have to mortgage their future. While Levert has question marks. I mean, it's a lotto ticket that didn't you didn't have to pay too much for. So, you know, they're a team that's right there. They're a team that we like. They're a team that's deep. Um, bravo Cavaliers. Well said. And again, I feel like I kind of, you know, take back saying immediately, is he still good? But it's just like because you're saying like, yeah, he is a lotto ticket. You're right. Like just a luxury to have. Absolutely. OK, so that's the Karis Levert trade. Now, speaking of trades that have already taken place. We have Robert Covington. We have the Portland Trailblazers involved. That could lead to, you know, of course, other things. We're hearing CJ's name in the news right now being thrown around as a potential trade piece. Damian Lillard currently has an injury that it looks like, you know, is going to keep him off the trade market until the summer. 
But what do you guys think about that Robert Covington move? What do you think about the Blazers going forward? What are your thoughts in general? So the exact trade is the Los, uh, the Portland Trail Blazers traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington, and the Clippers traded back Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow. We mess with each other. I feel bad about that. And uh, Keon Johnson and a second round pick. So what does this mean? Well, it means the Los Angeles Clippers still view themselves as contenders. You know, they don't have Paul George right now. They don't have Kawhi Leonard. But I think this trade for the future does remarkable things for this team in terms of depth. Norman Powell is one of the better combo guards in the entire league. And the other thing that comes into my mind as a result of this trade is, dude, the Portland Trailblazers gave like donated Gary Trent to the Toronto Raptors last year for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like I'm looking at Damian Lillard and this guy is like putting is like creating rap lyrics about how loyal he is to the Portland Trailblazers and the Portland Trailblazers are rewarding him with the absolute stupidest moves that I have ever seen. And this trade, I don't even know if they know that they are purposely trying to enter a rebuild at this point. This trade screams, hey, everybody, we're rebuilding. We're willing to trade players. If they are delusional, if they are delusional enough to actually believe that this trade does anything for Damian Lillard and their ability to rebuild around Damian Lillard, then Kevin uh, is Kevin Pritchard still their general manager? Who's their general manager? Whoever the general manager is needs to be fired over there. What do you think? What do you guys think about this trade? Norm Powell's playing the wrong position, dog. Like what? Like he's a shooting guard. Like I like he's six five. Like how are you going to put him at small forward? And expect him to succeed. I, yeah, it's crazy. Like Gary Trent Jr., you're absolutely right. Gary Trent Jr., look at him in the Raptors. I mean, he's he's emerged as a real, like, very, very solid young player who not only that is a better trade piece. Portland, yeah, they messed up. I mean, they. I feel like possibly, you know, this was like a Norm Powell was like a home run move that they thought in their head. I mean, it's not home run in my head, but, you know, they thought they you know, win now move, give up Gary Trent, go for Norman Powell, and then, you know, you got CJ and Dame try to make it work, it work it out. Portland, who has three, like, smaller guards with Norman Powell on their team, I just feel like that's just the wrong team for him. I mean, look... Obviously, this proves nothing. It's a one-game sample size. But 2022 season, you're looking at Portland Trailblazers played him, uh, Norman Powell at small forward, where, again, he's crazily undersized. And then Clippers, one game in 24 minutes. Powell puts up 28 points, uh, playing the right position. I just feel like, you know, Norman Powell is way better than what the Blazers did for him. Uh, I think with the Clippers, it'll be very interesting. I think... You know, uh, Kawhi and Paul George are larger, you know, players than him. So Norman Powell can play his normal position more. Um, I guess that what does that mean? We got a small ball lineup though of Norman Powell, Kawhi, and PG. Like, how do we feel about that? I love it. I'm jealous. I'm mad. Okay, let me just state my 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 piece on this Powell situation. Um, for one, I think they gave up like two firsts for Roko too. Hey, not my business. Now, some people think that, you know, new GM just trying to wipe a clean sleigh. I don't know about all that. We'll see. So one of the reasons I was so passionate about CJ McCollum is, well, I think Norman Powell is a much better defender than uh, CJ. And I mean, he's shooting the three with great volume at 41%, six, six a game. And uh, he's an efficient scorer. They got him really cheap. When it comes to Norman Powell, like, and it comes to the Portland Trailblazers, I don't think that they're in a position that like where they necessarily like hold a whole bunch of leverage. But for some reason, I feel like they're going to finesse a team. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, it, I agree. Like, 
I don't think you make this move any other way. And so that's why I'm so scared about what's lined up with their next move. I, I agree with you. I don't know why. I literally, like, if you, when we brought up Damian Lillard before, I mentioned, like, the Clippers are somehow going to get him. Like, I don't know what's happening in, with Los Angeles, but I believe with, in the Clippers. Like, for, I believe in what they can do, especially with this. I mean, you know, this is just Keon Johnson and uh, Justice Winslow, unfortunately, has, you know, proven to be, at this point in time, at least a bust. We will see um, as things go on. But, um, or I don't even want to say, I hate saying the word bust, you know, with those kind of bricks, but he hasn't been the guy that we've wanted him to be, you know? So Keon Johnson, just straighter for Robert Covington. And I mean, for, uh, you know, these guys strange and like, you know, I'm with you Coop with the CJ thing, because like looking at his contract, uh, you know, Norm Powell's, you got a $15 million, then 16.7, then 18, all the way until 2026, where it's at 20.4. That's a very reasonable contract for a man who's uh, about turn 29. So it's he's a, a he's slightly, slightly younger, better, way better contract. And, you know, just at, was on the Blazers averaging 19 a game. So, yeah, with you. It's I, I just at this point, like I am looking at the Portland Trail Blazers and I am begging you guys to please trade CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard now that you could actually get something out of them. I don't think they understand the value of their players. That's what this trade at least conveys to me. I mean, Rocco could uh, Rocco and Norman Powell being traded, and all you get out of it is a second round pick. Like, obviously, the Clippers don't really have don't have firsts to offer, but there's nothing that I see out of this trade that makes me think, "Wow, you know, this is something that Portland Trailblazers fans can get excited about." I mean, it's Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, and Justice Freaking Winslow. You know what I mean? Like, well, no offense to those three players, but. I don't under the only motivation for the Portland Trailblazers to make this trade was to get out of the luxury tax. And that's just not sending the best message to CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. The team just gets worse and worse throughout the year. And they're on a downhill. They're literally on a steep declines from the last from last year. So at this point, you could get a ton of of assets for Damian Lillard. Hit up my Los Angeles Lakers, donate Damian Lillard and get Russell Westbrook in return. It's okay if Dame can't play until like the end of the year or possibly till next year. We're we're fine with it. We'll give you a couple second round picks as well. It's all good. Jokes aside, I just feel like at this point you should try to blow everything up. Clearly this is going nowhere and at least do right by your franchise cornerstones for the past decade and send them somewhere where they could actually compete because they both deserve better than this the Blazers GM had to be obsessed with Keon Johnson and I'm convinced this is one of those trades where not everybody knew Norman Powell was available for this cheap that's the only thing I mean they got Groco too like what the, like this doesn't has sense. to be has this, to be how do you sense. shop around Norman Powell and this is what you come back with it doesn't make any sense like, it just literally makes zero sense. So, like, there are playoff teams that need Norman Powell, and his contract isn't insane. They would happily give you a first-round pick, at least. And you gave up Powell and Rocco. It just, I, there there has to be a bigger move coming. That's the only thing that makes sense in my head. Could just be, like, you know, complete, you know, rebuild. Like Mike said, you know, getting under the luxury tax. Get a young guy yeah, back in Keon true. Johnson, I guess. I mean, he hasn't really performed, and he's only the 21st pick in the last year's draft. So, like, that's, like, not great value for a 
this at all. I, especially with Ke much rather have Gary Trent Jr. But I'm also not sure if maybe the Toronto Raptors are just cheating because it seems like everyone that goes there is amazing. Like I'm not actually saying they're cheating, but their training staff is godlike. I mean, they you I mean they're and their development team, everything over there. You know, they they just go over there and they develop guys. So I mean, who knows if Gary Trent develops like this? But you know, happy for Gary Trent Jr. because he went to the Raptors and he has been awesome. Well, Gary Trent Jr. was awesome, like on the Portland Trailblazers. And it just seems like he kicked it to a brand new gear once he got to Toronto. I mean, he was shooting 41% when he was in Portland from three. And now he's shooting 40. Um, oh, sorry, wrong. My eyes fuck, uh, got messed up. Um, yeah, for the most part, he's like averaging the same numbers. Obviously, his points per game averages are a little bit better. His field goal percentage is a little bit better. He's developing really well in Toronto, but... The thing is, the best way that you could depict, I mean, detect a dysfunctional organization is based upon the way they manage their assets. And in this instance, the Portland Trailblazers are just not managing their assets well at all. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think this team is going to hit like Sacramento Kings levels of mediocrity soon based upon Oof. the decisions that they've been able to make. That's so hard. That That's is a prediction. statement. They, the Kings haven't made the playoffs since 2006. That's a I mean, statement, but I mean, you know, I'm I, like, I'm looking at Gary Trent's advanced stats, Mike, and you know, I feel like you're hitting something that's like really, really, you know, right here in that, like, yeah, why would we trust this front office? Especially like, we've been seeing these trades, you know, bad trades. People questioned the Gary Trent trade at the time. They were definitely right. I mean, but if you look, I mean, yeah, his base numbers, like the only reason I was looking at his base numbers, he went up three points a game and stuff. Yeah. But if you look, you know, box score plus minus from like last year to this year, you know, that's where like he went from minus 2.3 to 0.6. Okay. Wind shares. He's picking up some wind shares. So yeah. Um, better team. Maybe they're just utilizing him better again. It's just like, do they just not know like the talent that's on their own roster? Because Gary Trent Jr. Was a good trade piece. Then they moved him, and now they're moving Norman Powell. I don't know, but it seems like a big rebuild coming. Yeah, yeah, they pretty much traded Gary Trent Jr. and Robert Covington, which they trade, which Coop mentioned. Like first, uh, they got first two. They gave up two first round picks for Rocco, which at the time I thought was an overpay. But like everyone was obsessed with Rocco because Rocco is one of the few like really is one of the best defenders in the NBA. You know, he's like almost at the Ben Simmons tier of defender. He's the, he, the ultimate he's, three. And he's not, but um, he's, he's a solid. Said, I can't be with you at this point. Yeah. He's, almost. he's above said, average. Almost. I said almost. I said almost. He's I mean, above average. Of, he became overrated I mean, on I, defense, but he's, he's good. He's I mean, good. I'll I'm give saying, you that. I'll give you that. I'm saying, I mean, I'm just saying in terms of the analytics that I look at, I mean, in terms of the stat, uh, statistics that I look at, they have very similar DBPMs. That's the only reason I'm making this argument. Rocco has never had a negative DBPM in his career, and there's very few players like that in the entire NBA. So the fact that they gave up two first-round picks to trade for this guy, and then they decided to just throw him away for a second round pick and like three players that with all due respect, like one's a dra uh, one's a draft bust. One hasn't gotten that many minutes and the other's just washed. Um, again, just a testament to a poorly run franchise. So as a result of the Norman Powell and Robert Covington trade that went down, 
you have to assume that the Portland Trailblazers are thinking of moving another one of their franchise cornerstones, and that's either Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I'm leaning more towards CJ McCollum, and there's a bunch of teams that are interested in trading for CJ McCollum, like Coop's Pelicans, the New York Knicks, and the Dallas Mavericks. What do you guys think about all this? According to Brian Windhorst, the Pelicans are expected to be one of the most active teams this week headed into the trade deadline. As a, t- as a Pelicans fan, that's terribly terrifying i really don't know what to feel with cj there are there are positives and of course there are negatives cj is an older guard he doesn't play any defense he has great shot creation but on the other side of things you know you got that contract so with cj what really gets me is what's he going to cost that's what it comes down to for the new orleans pelicans and if you're trading for cj Make sure it's because you value the future also, and you're not just trying to win this season, or you're not just trying to keep Zion Williamson. The New Orleans Pelicans, as we're making this, are in the play-in. I called that earlier, early on in the season. I knew they weren't as bad as their record. They're like 20 and 20 or something. They're, they're above 500 or 500 when Brandon Ingram plays, which is amazing. Now, again, when it comes to the price of CJ, you got guys like Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You got guys like... Herb Jones, you got you got a lot of young players with talent in New Orleans. Jackson Hayes has played so well recently, I'd borderline call him untouchable. I don't want to trade a seven-foot unicorn for a guy that may not necessarily be on the decline, but may be closer to the decline than their absolute peak. I um I personally, in terms of just value and in terms of where you guys are at, I don't think it's time for you guys to uh, swing such a trade. You look at CJ McCollum's contract, he becomes a free agent in 2024. This trade is still available for you guys this offseason. You guys are currently a play-in team. Zion Williamson isn't uh, hasn't played a single game this year. He probably won't play any more games this year. I feel like this is the year that, once again, tr- uh, try your best to develop what you have. Maybe you end up with a nicer draft pick, which you're a huge fan of this year's draft class. And in the summer, if you want to pursue a trade for a CJ McCollum or a player of that caliber, go for it. But right now, there's not really much incentive to do it. What are you trying to vie for? An eighth seed, a seventh seed? Is that really worth it? Is that worth giving up Jackson Hayes and the Lakers first round pick? Or Let me tell you why whatever? it is. Uh, first of all, the Pelicans are one place below the Lakers currently. Not even a shot at them. They're just in the playing game right now. So, I mean, it's not like you're, we're taking like a team like the Rockets who's 15 and 38 and giving them a good player and that's just hurting them with draft position, you know? Uh, I, again, completely am with building a winning culture. If you don't mortgage your future. So, you know, guys like Josh Hart have become expandable because of Herb Jones. So guys like that, you know, you can move. And if you're able to make the right kind of trade, I think there is a lot of value in bringing CJ in. Now, of course, that contract is definitely scary. But like, I feel like where I disagree with you, Coop, um, specifically is like, uh, and I'm seeing your shirt with it's a marathon, uh, the marathon, which is true. However, like I know like myself and Zion isn't the same exact situation because of course Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent while Zion's a rookie. And I have another question to actually ask you after this. Um, but regardless, I feel like there's a lot of value that, you know, you can't just see on paper with creating a winning culture and showing your guys that you want that winning culture. You know, it's, it provides value for Ingram provides value for Zion. They know that their front office is trying to win games and isn't just trying to keep rebuilding and rebuilding and waiting for that draft pick there's value there i mean we brought in nikola vucevic the chicago bulls did uh 
you know, helped Zach Levine, ended up with Lonzo and DeMar DeRozan. Like, who knows how much that Nikola Vucevic move and having a guy who just made two straight all-star um, appearances at the center position affected DeMar, affected Lonzo. Like, that changes things. Like, you have a better roster now, and other free agents now know that and are able to, you know, join up with you. So I do think that... Um, there's definitely a loss of flexibility if you cannot move that CJ contract, but I definitely don't agree with that. He also could just be around at any time. I mean, this is kind of like an interesting scenario. Like you have a guy that averages 20 points a game that's locked into a long contract, which makes him seen as not nearly as good of a trade piece as he would be. So this is kind of an opportunity for a team like New Orleans or just like a smaller market team that wants, or like, I don't know, the Dallas Mavericks maybe. You know, like we've been hearing like these teams are like, like, you know, like a team like the Mavericks, you're, they're locked in with their, uh, you know, salary cap. It's hard to move um, financially with their contracts. But like a contract like CJ McCollum, while it does have its negatives, it definitely provides, I feel like, a lot of opportunity as well. So I completely disagree with you because the Pelicans, they have the culture. Um, you know, th th everybody loves each other. I watch every game. I watch but every Zion. press conference. I don't. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making moves for Zion's. I'm not making oh, yeah, moves so for Zion. That's our difference. But they, so, yeah, but that's but a big deal. But it just comes down to that. Like there's because no Zion could sink the culture. I'm telling you right now that everything you say after this, like I agree with you. If Zion is gone, I my whole statement was made on keeping Zion. So, but I'm the Pelicans saying, are 500 with Brandon Ingram. They don't have to invest in CJ McCollum. And last to win. year, you're talking about how Z yeah, they don't have to invest in, in CJ. I'm not talking about CJ. I'm talking about keeping Zion. Like, literally, no, well, you said you said they they, they need to make a winning move and they need to come. They need to build a winning culture. The culture is being put in place. Willie Green has been winning games. This team's looks so much better since being relatively healthy. Zion's missed the complete season. Um, Brandon Ingram's missed 15 games. On top of that, Jackson Hayes looks like he's He's playing He's playing himself into untouchable status. So with CJ McCollum, while I, I do like him, if you're going, and they've been making winning moves. They've invested in Jonas. You know, they've they've traded. So they've made some silly trades to try to make winning moves. But if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans and I'm investing in a player and I'm giving up a, a project, not even a project anymore, I'm telling you, Hayes looks unbelievable. You could go look at his numbers. You know, he put up big games against Jokic, Mobley, um, he's a versatile five guards all, all, all five positions. He's looking so good. It's ridiculous. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but, um, if you're, if you're trading a guy like Hayes and you're, you're, you're trading like these young players with talent, you got to make sure that that guy you go out and get is that guy. I want a star talent player. If I'm, if I'm making another move for the New Orleans Pelicans and I'm, I'm giving up my future. But I don't. Why, who t said they were giving up their future? This is where I'm. I don't understand this. This at all though. Like if like Josh Hart is like I sent you a trade. Well, if it's just like, Josh Hart, if it's just Josh I'm not Hart, saying then they're giving up their future. Like, even jo CJ even Josh Hart, I'd be a I'd be a little scared about because Josh Hart has been so clutch to the culture. He okay, really I has mean, well, embodied New Orleans. I mean, if you don't think even Josh Hart, then then sure, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it for Josh Hart. I'm just saying that it's a scary move because. He's meant so much to New Orleans. I mean, that's like that's like trading like one of your backbones of the team. Like this team could have fell, fallen apart this season. Josh Hart's a big reason why it didn't. 
So here's the thing, um, Corzamba, when you say that the Pelicans are currently a play-in team and they are right behind the Lakers in 10th place, there are five games, they have five less wins than the Los Angeles Lakers do, and they're way closer to 13th place than they are to 10th place. Like, standings now are Trail- irrelevant. Like, literally, I still don't even think that matters. I mean, it matters just because if you bring in CJ, you still are playing for a play-in game. Uh, and you're not like again like the Magic who are 12 and 43. If you brought him in, that would be the dumbest thing ever. You would just literally lose out on a top five or six pick. That's just what I mean by of that. Of course, like I mean, they're I'm in a different saying- position. They're they're just like they're currently in the, the playing game, so that's a different position draft wise. That's like t- so, ten pick range. So uh, okay, um, well I don't I don't want to repeat my take because for the most part I think my. Uh, my thoughts are out there on the situation. We have a lot more to cover. But I do want to say I feel Coop completely with like it's scary and like you got to be like completely sure in that move. And I just feel like the Pelicans haven't, you know, made the right move. So, yeah, that could like I would be I would be I mean, for, I'm just saying, I mean, no matter what you say, I don't know, like, you know, Graham compared to Lonzo. I don't know. But I mean, you yourself have been critical of the Pelicans. Maybe in the last two weeks, I mean, suddenly everything has changed. But I'm not saying trade away your best young pieces. I'm over here just saying if you can get Josh Hart in a first-round pick and, you know, other guys uh, for CJ, you know, like that's definitely something that has value, especially like, again, I am on the camp of you do everything you can to get Zion to stay. You have a a once-in-a-generational talent. I understand that these guys have been, like, leaving, but, like, this isn't something that can't be not salvaged. This is only year two. And, um, you know, with Zion, my whole thing at the end of the day here is this question, which I really like want to know the answer to. And it's this, if Zion, let's say, you know, year five rolls around player option gets introduced. He accepts it, right. Gets makes, would have made, let's just put out numbers. There would have made like 35 million and said makes 15, right? What happens if Nike like Nike, not anyone that is actually involved with the NBA. What if like an outside brand comes in and goes, hey, here's your contract. In your contract, here's a bonus clause like a ton of contracts have, you know? Like, like uh, what if that clause states you go to one of these five major cities, you get an extra $2 million a year for 10 years. Suddenly that's his $20 million made up right there. Um, I'm just like, there have been incentive. There have literally been incentives like that in contracts before where if you go to a big city you make more money so that's my whole thing with zion i want to know if that is like an actual thing that can happen because if not that also changes my opinion completely on this then yeah like i also would be like stand put zion's in year two definitely don't rush anything so look at jackson hayes stats uh the past month and and I want you to just to just just see if they pass the eye test for you. I feel like you didn't um, listen to anything I said and just were waiting for No, the, no, you, you just cut me off. I'm gonna I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Now when it comes to Zion, I, I think that you know, if he leave, I think most Pelicans fans are in the mindset of if he goes, he goes. I mean, we like what we have right now. As crazy as that is to say, you know, we like the direction of the team. We like the culture. We like everything going on. Um, Now, when it comes to CJ, uh, it's like if you trade for this guy, you're going to be paying him $30 million. You got contracts coming up. You know, you're going to have to pay Zion Williamson. You're going to probably have to pay Jackson Hayes. You have to make a decision on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But I'm I'm guessing these guys, I'm guessing at least maybe one of them would be involved in the trade. Then um, Herb Jones is a second round pick. Another decision is coming up. it's tough. It's tough. It's not an easy place to be in. So when it comes to the Pelicans, I understand that, you know, they 
they have to make moves and they have to make the right moves. It just all comes down to the value of CJ McCollum and would they be able to pay everybody if they did trade for CJ McCollum who's making 30 million? I mean, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next topic. I've, I've said what I need to say. I just, you don't, I just feel you don't punt on Zion. I think that's insanity, but like that's just something. That's it's not punting on Zion. It's not punting. They're fine. That's what I'm trying to say. They're Coop, fine. if we literally listen to everything you just said, you like again saying we're fine without Zion is in my head punting on Zion. Like, how could you say you're fine? No, that's not. Zion that, that's when saying he put up we're his not. Store, we're, then, but like, but again, but like saying we're fine without Zion means we're you not are tripping. Then, that means we're not wait, like emotionally that means, attached. That means that, that means that you're making moves not to keep Zion in your own head. Like you would prefer if you're saying you're no. you don't care if Zion leaves. That's what you just said. So then, you yeah, if, if he Zion, leaves, he leaves. We're but, fine. Yeah, but you're you make winning moves, but with the mindset of the team, not just for Zion Williamson. See, like, I, I think that's just wrong. Like, I just bad. think it's wrong. You're New Orleans, and like, it's like LeBron with the Cavs. Imagine LeBron well, went to the Cavs, and they were like, they suddenly just immediately, when he like asked for things, they were like, no. Like, I mean, okay. It's well, imagine if LeBron, imagine if LeBron, Kevin Durant thing. It's just reality versus what you would like. Like, imagine if of, LeBron had day, chronic Le injury, pro not chronic, but major injury problems. That changes the whole situation. If Zion's healthy and everything is good, and this is a utopia, I agree with you. Just do anything for Zion. If LeBron James had this exact same thing happen to him in year two after his first season, no. Like, and would Le still be and LeBron James was was way overweight. Like, yeah, I mean, it would a be lot, huge news. But like, it's still like, is he way overweight anymore? Like, we he's training. Like, like what? He's is also not LeBron. We don't know. We don't know. And I think you're doing your team a disservice by just being like, okay, we're we're moving with just Zion in mind. Just make moves that. Are good and also have the team in mind. How does that can win you a championship? You literally are the New Orleans Pelicans. Like you're not going to get a big free agent. Realistically, it's just that simple. Like Zion Williamson is your ticket to 15 to 20 years, 10 to 15 years at least of a, an actual superstar. And the Pelicans can't. I feel can like want to leave anyways, bro. Like that's the thing. Like you're right. We're the Pelicans. If he doesn't want to be there and he if he sinks the culture and he tantrums his way out. Like, it's just, it is what it is. You can't, you can't, you know, just, we, we've seen it too many times. That's my thing. I'm I feel not, like, like that's, I, I really feel like that, honestly, like, I, like, again, I, like, respect your opinion completely, and I, like, I know that, like, rebuilding, like, I, like, I don't even, like, specifically, in, I'm not even talking about the CJ move, like, you know, whatever, like, I, like, I can, like, completely see your point on that of just, you know, staying put, of course, you're a young team, it's not, like, a huge deal at all, you know, like, to stay put and then, you know, get another draft pick this year, that's the smart move, And I, I think that's, say. I think that's the mistake the Pelicans, the Pelicans have a long time, bro, if they, if Zion resigns, they have a long time to get things right, I think one of the mistakes the Pelicans made in the Anthony Davis era was going win now way too soon. I don't want to see that again. We got young talent. We can develop that talent. And I really do think they have potential to build something special, especially with all those Lakers picks. Shout out the flight, Mike. So that's that's my take. I think a lot of young teams. And remember, winning is not linear. Like the Hawks this past season, they may have overachieved too early. Players look at winning as linear. There's going to be ups and downs. You want to be peaking towards the end of Zion's next contract, not Early. That's just my opinion. No, no, Ooh, that's I fair. Like that. Honestly, you kind of, I've kind of like completely changed my mind. Yeah. So, um, Ooh, yeah, I don't want CJ McCollum okay. on the Pelicans. I'd rather him like on a team more potentially like who? The who would you Mavericks, like him on? Maybe like I don't know. Like, Does again, that, like would you rather him over Brunson though? 
I just feel like you like go all in in Zion, but like, but like, I, I agree. Like CJ, yeah, that might not be the move. It could just be, you know, 100% smart front office decision, especially if Zion's not saying anything about it, you know? And like, even if he is, you're right. Like, you know, he has two years left on his contract, make a big move next year. All this will be completely forgotten. So again, completely changed my mind. So I, but I just, I still, you know, stand by go all in in Zion, but CJ. Yeah. Yeah. So we got I would CJ want a Cavs, bit better of a player. No, I, I would want a Mavs bit better of a Knicks. player. Mavs and Knicks, uh, it seems like. The Mavericks, are we, I, I'm not going to say we. I kind of crapped on the Mavericks early in the season, bro. They have, I mean, Jason Kidd, I don't even know what the heck is going on. He's been cooking. The Mavericks defense has looked a lot better. Um, Luka has been dunking on people. I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen that? But um, the Mavericks, are, they're, they're looking like a completely different team. So would you so would you guys want CJ on the Mavericks or the Knicks or is there another team in mind that you guys have? Talking Knicks could be worth it because Cam Reddish is uh, there, there's rumors surfacing that um, Dibs didn't want Cam Reddish and I don't think it's a rumor, bro. He's been he's played like he hasn't played at he's played like six point nine minutes per game the past four games. I'm giving the, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, I know that I Tim? mean I think Cores knows more about Tibbs than anybody. So I do, unfortunately, which is unfortunately the case is a lot of times, you know, Tibbs will purposely, you know, not play a guy defensively if he's not with his in his system, which makes sense because he wants to win games now. You know, that's what it is. However, if Cam coming, Cam Reddish coming over as a young player in a Tibbs system is going to be difficult no matter what. Like, again, Tibbs, you know, values defense above all else. And he also, you know, values veterans. Like he, uh, he, you know, we saw Jimmy Butler, it's been mentioned, but it's because it's true. We literally saw Jimmy Butler not get the playing time that he deserved at the time because Tibbs would be going with veteran guys. So, I mean, with Cam Reddish, it remains to be seen, I would say. But like, I feel like the fact that Tibbs doesn't, like it's publicly leaked that he didn't want him. When is that ever, when has that situation, unless it's been cleared up basically immediately, when has that ever led to anything good? Mike, do you have the actual quote, Flight Mike? Or like the actual, um, like the leak or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's just Tom Thibodeau Tom, did not yeah. want Cam Reddish. <laughs> yeah, it's straight up Tom Thibodeau did not want the Knicks to trade for Cam Reddish. Who's the source the on thing. that? Oh, yeah, that's a good source. Mark Burns, <laughs> yeah. New York Post. Yeah, that's crazy. What? I mean, like, I thought this was kind of, uh, I thought this was kind of like a home run type of trade at the time that it happened. Um, if you're going back to the Atlanta, if you go back to the trade, the Knicks traded Kevin Knox and a first round pick via the Charlotte Hornets to the Hawks for Cam Reddish, Solomon Hill, and a second round pick. So I don't see how this could be a trade that you're upset about because it's not like Kevin Knox was absolutely crushing it there. But at the same time, um, I think the reason why Cam Reddish hasn't been getting as much playing time is the Knicks kind of are very deep when it comes to those young players that need playing time to develop currently. You know, you have um, you have Emmanuel. Uh, here, let me pull up their roster. But you have like Emmanuel quickly on the roster, and then yeah, but they're aren't they, they're playing Alec Burks at the you know as a wing, which you know Alec Burks is provide is you know giving them production, eleven points a game knocking down around 40% of his threes. Like he's out there, you know, doing his thing and being a good role player. There's opportunity for Cam Reddish for sure. Like, you know, Cam Reddish could come in and could be a part of the future of the Knicks. Like this is like where, like, I feel like, you know, Tibbs, like sometimes it's like, you know, this is where like the negative of Tibbs, you know, he's a great defensive coach and a great, you know, um, coach in general. Do you think he's still, oh, you do do think he's still a good coach? That was going to be my question. 
I, I feel like uh, I feel like he's a great coach. See, like here's the thing. It's like you could be a great coach, but you could make bad decisions player personnel wise I, in terms of like X's and O's here. I'm trying to clarify this. Right. I think like if the right players are on the court, you know, Tibbs doing great. I feel like he just like sometimes like with like he goes too in on defense, right? You know, like you could be like, for instance, I'm trying to like say this. Or I feel like St. John's is like the best way for me to put this. Like Mike Anderson is like a very defensive minded coach for St. John's, which, you know, I watch every single game of because I went there. Um, so like uh, there are times where he's just playing lineups that are too defensive and where every single fan is like, dude, we need to shoot the ball. This doesn't work. So I just feel like, you know, sometimes with Tibbs, it's like the wrong guys out there possibly, but it's like, Cam Reddish is young. He's proven he has talent. He's proven he has potential. There's absolutely no reason for him not to be getting any playing time like this. Like, there's just no reason for it, especially like with the where the Knicks are. They're not like competing for a championship right now. Like, play the man. Come on. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm looking at the Knicks roster, and it's a pretty damn good roster. Uh, uh, like. At least if they all play well together, it's a pretty good roster. I mean, it's a good mixture of veterans uh, who have had success in the past. Obviously, Taj Gibson, because Taj Gibson goes everywhere that Tom Thibodeau coaches. And then you have some good youth there as well, like Obi Toppin. You got RJ Barrett that's developing really well. And um, the recently acquired Cam Reddish and Emmanuel Quickly. This team should be performing a little bit better than their record. They should not be 12th in the Eastern Conference at all. Um, their over under uh, for the beginning of the year was 41.5. So I don't really think they're going to hit that mark. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like a puzzle. What do you do at this point to fix this team? They have a lot of young assets. But like I, I forgot to one say, um, I'm pretty sure Quinn and Grimes is the reason also that Cam Reddish isn't playing. I'm pretty sure Quinn and Grimes has jumped into the rotation hugely. He's averaging, let's see, like uh, in the last uh, 20 games, he's averaging 20.8 minutes a game. <clears throat> My friend who's Knicks fan uh, is very, very high on Quinn and Grimes. So I would say that is the reason Cam's not playing right now. Yeah, mine too. Uh, can we get the clip of Julius Randle confronting a Knicks staff member going? I mean, did, have you guys seen this clip? This is just, this is, this is, I don't want to say Did you see him sitting by himself, like on, like all the way to the end of the bench as everyone was else was like huddled talking and he was just sitting by himself? Yeah, I mean, he played for the Pelicans. He played for the Lakers. So I know Mike supports him. I, I support Julius Randle. Whoa. I don't know what's going on right Whoa. now. I mean, I I support him as a businessman, you know, like I think he's a <laughs> I, I think you don't he's support a, him. It's okay. You can not support no, him. No, no, yeah, I mean, like, I have to support him. No, I mean, like I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I was really sad when the Lake uh when we lost him on the Lakers because I really liked Julius Randle and I always said that he's a three-point uh he's a three-point jump shot away from greatness, which Somehow, some way, he developed an incredible three-pointer last year, shooting 41% from three, and all of a sudden, he's shooting 31% from three, and he's attempting practically the same amount of threes per game. So it's kind of interesting what's going on with him. I think he's kind of the reason why he, um, I think he's the main reason why the Knicks aren't succeeding at this point. Um, when you're one of the team's highest paid players and you perform the previous year and you're not performing this year, then chances are uh, then chances are you are the main reason why your team isn't even uh, isn't 
anywhere near contention for the playoffs, which for me is a shame because I would I loved seeing Madison Square Garden go crazy last year when the Hawks faced them in the series. Um, he uh, apparently, according to Tom, he's also currently in trade rumors, but it's trade deadline week. Who isn't in trade rumors right now? Yeah, I think the deadline's going to get very nasty. He got the bag. That's all I'm saying. He got the bag. He did get the he did get the bag. Like I think I think this is a very real thing where it has to be players put out there. Like it has to be. Like he yeah, got paid. Like, like it has to be put out there. Yeah. I know. Glad it didn't happen for, to us. Like Sorry, literally, oh, he got paid and like his production whoa, whoa, I mean whoa, whoa, whoa. like has been going up and up throughout his career. Like you look, I mean, Pelicans, like he averaged twenty one and eight point seven, right? Yeah, I didn't want to lose. Him. Yeah, got, like shot fifty two percent that year. Like literally, it was awesome. Was you know solid in the Knicks two thousand twenty. All how long is he under contract for? What is his like, contract? Till two thousand thirty, basically. Like he literally <laughs> just signed it. He's <laughs> he's there till two thousand twenty six. I mean, I'm kidding, but yeah, yeah he, but still, he wow. just signed it. Yeah, he's that's there. crazy. Like he yeah. is there. Yeah. However, yeah, it's not it like ha- a crazy contract. Like he actually is only paid twenty million this year, twenty three point seven next year. It's not like a forty million dollar contract. It's uh, way more movable than some of these contracts. I think this happened to a specific player on the Los Angeles Lakers where a specific player on the Lakers, which the Lakers gave up a significant amount of assets for, was tra- uh, was traded for, won a championship, and then all of a sudden it seems like he took his foot off the gas pedal. You know, I don't want to make the, uh, I'm, I don't want to make this Lakers centric, but it's a it's a thing that goes on in my head. You know, at a specific point, you get what you want and the motivation isn't there as much. So. I don't know. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's something else. But we all we always say on this podcast that your three point jump shot and just your jump shot in general is typically a result of your work ethic. You know, if you're hitting the gym and you're shooting threes and you're practicing and you're going into your spots, that's a testament to how hard you're working on your jumper. And if you regress this much, then I am going to start questioning your work ethic for sure. Ben Simmons, James Harden, trade has been put out there as of right now. I am seeing that the Nets want Seth Curry along with James, uh, along with Ben Simmons. So it'd be basically the deal would be Ben Simmons and Seth Curry for James Harden from what I'm seeing. Seth Curry is averaging about 15 and five right now this year, shooting, you know, lights out as always. Apparently, the Nets are very, very interested in wing shooting, which might mean something about Joe Harris. I'm not sure. But the Nets, independent of Ben Simmons, independent of James Harden, are already in the market for wing scoring. So the fact that they're Ben Simmons and Seth Curry, it would make sense to bring them both over. Obviously, I feel like this trade only happens if James Harden is like, yo, I'm out this summer, though. Bro, I'm frustrated now. I'm sorry. I'm going to let you go in a second, Mike. But I'm just, I'm just so frustrated because... I, I just don't know what to believe. The like the reports are everywhere. Like I like what the hell? Like I like Woj is reporting one thing. Shams is literally reporting the exact other thing. Now they want Seth Curry. Maxie's not of it. Like what is the truth, man? What do, what do you guys believe? That's really what I want to know before we advance. That's why I wanted to like I, I I try my best not to cut you guys off, but I wanted to insert this in here. The source of this rumor trade is Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons, in my opinion, is like the same tier as Stephen A. Smith. You know, he's a very knowledgeable guy. I'm not saying in terms of basketball knowledge, he's not there. I just don't view him as an insider. You know, I don't view him on the same tier that as podcast Woj and had Kevin O'Connor and Jackie McMullen on it. Like it wasn't just okay. Bill Simmons. Like I feel like if there was not, and I listened to it. Like they brought it okay. up and they talked about it. I feel like there's truth there. 
But here's the thing. Like, we all know that for lack of a better way, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, Daryl Morey has had a solid stiffy for James Harden for the entirety of his executive career. This guy called says James Harden is the best offensive player of all time, better than Michael Jordan. So you're telling me that all he needs to do at this point is give up Ben Simmons and Seth Curry for James Harden, and he hasn't done it yet. That's why I don't believe this, because I know that Daryl Morey is obsessed with James Harden. And here you have a trade where you're not being asked for Thibel. You're not being asked for Maxi. Like, if this is the trade that you need to make to get the guy that you're absolutely obsessed over on your team, which is a trade that you were waiting until the offseason to do so, especially considering the fact that Ben Simmons hasn't played any basketball for you so far and probably won't play any basketball for you in the future, then what are we waiting for? You know, like if this is all the Nets need and they're okay with the trade, this trade should happen right now, which is why I don't believe it. Mm, well, like why why can't it just happen in three days? Like it's just, it's just like, a lot of times with these deadline deals, they just wait until the last hour because they're trying to squeeze in everything like a second round pick or something. Oh, I mean, that could be the case. But like that's literally just they just go back and forth, like adding like a little bit, taking away a little bit. Like when they get down to like a deal they actually like. Um, I agree with you, though, you know, like a 100 percent. Like if this is the deal, fucking do it. Do it. Like, what the fuck? Literally, you've been waiting for Ben Simmons to have this kind of trade value. You have Joel Embiid currently having the best season of his career, literally could win the MVP, is top three, if not top one right now in some people's eyes. Depends who you ask. Um, a lot of guys have an insane seasons, but Joel Embiid's right there. He is, could win MVP, you know? People are going like, you know, it's a marathon with like Embiid's health and everything. Like, Joel Embiid, we are not sure he's going to be healthy. Like, you can't just assume a seven foot two seven foot three the guy is with his size is going to be healthy so if you can get james harden now you do it you won daryl murray you literally won everyone everyone was like dude take all these like you know other lower packages take these take these and then boom suddenly your offer like the the deals have become more bradley beal and james harden we're hearing instead of you know like the names we were hearing before it makes sense. You know, Daryl Morey waited until there was potential disgruntled superstars instead of guys that were happy being where they were. End of the day right now, I mean, if you're James Harden, aren't you pissed off? You went to the, the Brooklyn Nets, literally. I I, I uh, don't have my phone. My phone died, but um, I saw a tweet before. It said, and uh, I can fact check this after the, I say this, but uh, so it said James Harden has played more minutes on the Nets than Kyrie Irving, who got there 480 days before him. All right, I don't want to fucking deal with the Kyrie drama if I'm James Harden. I went there to I, literally James Harden already has played in a system where he has to do everything. He's played that for so long. He finally is in the Nets. He has Kevin Durant, who suddenly gets injured this whole season, and that's not you know KD's fault. I don't really I'm not blaming KD here really, but he also has Kyrie, who he expected to you know take the low offensive load off of him, get day in and day out. And he hasn't gotten that, you know? And like, I wouldn't want to deal with that shit in general. I'd be like, you're going to come to half of our games. Screw that. I understand why he's disgruntled. I could easily see why he'd be like, yeah, I want to go to Philly. I mean, so if that happens, yeah, this trade could easily like go through if James Harden tells uh, the Nets like, hey, man, I'm gone in the summer. I, I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, if you also have to see this from the lens of the Brooklyn Nets, are they kind of punting on the season? Are they saying, hey, I think they'd be better as... Yeah, you think they're they, you think with Seth be Curry and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant all on the court? Yes, I think that those four would be better than uh, than uh, James Harden and Kyrie. Like Kyrie and James Harden 
have too many similarities in their offensive games and and defensively. You add Ben Simmons, you add a literally. I'm super high on Ben Simmons at this point. Like I like am still remaining the highest of Ben Simmons fans. Like I'm not forgetting he's an all NBA player, that he is an all-star, that he's a super insane, great defender that can guard one to five. Like that is something that the Nets don't have. He's a defensive star that you could put on the Nets with your two offensive stars. If Ben Simmons is willing to embrace that role, that's a whole different story. But as long as he's willing to embrace that role, yeah, I think the Nets is a home run. Think it's like the best situation possible because you have two alphas on the team that are willing to take every single shot in the clutch ever. Literally, Ben Simmons doesn't have to touch the ball if he doesn't want him in the clutch. All the pressure's off. All like yeah, you have the pressure of winning the championship, sure. But Ben Simmons has dealt with that. Ben Simmons has dealt with playoff pressure. I feel like when we hear people talk about Ben Simmons, it's like he's an infant. Like, oh, how is he gonna possibly you know deal with the NBA championship? No, that wasn't the problem. The problem was he didn't he doesn't want to shoot in the clutch. He's a playmaker and he's a defender. Goes to the Nets, that's what's gonna happen. He'll be able to do that. I mean, end of the day, you Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are so good offensively that that is going to just create opportunities for Ben in general. And they, you know, defenses can't scheme like they could with the 76ers having in beat. It's just a completely different situation for him. Yeah, Ben Simmons will take that dunker spot to a new level. And beyond that, let's just imagine the small ball possibilities. That's just, I don't even know how you how you match up with a lineup of Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant. I mean, it's just it's cheating. You know, they ran Kevin Durant at the five last season. We've seen Ben Simmons play the five. It looks good. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm with Coors on this one. As crazy as it sounds, yeah, I, you, I mean. Yeah, you think you, you think they'd get better by, uh, from the Ben Simmons trade? I like, the, I like the fact that they'd acquire Ben Simmons because it's also a good contingency plan. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving this offseason. He could, yeah, he did commit to Brooklyn, but he also committed to Boston before leaving Boston. So you don't know. You can't really depend on that. Kyrie Irving can't be depended upon for staying on the Brooklyn Nets past this year. If the Brooklyn Nets underachieve once again, then you could assume that Kyrie Irving is probably potentially going to leave. You don't know. He's a wild card. He could be staying. He could be going. But on on the flip side, Kevin Durant, you don't know what's going on in that man's head, man. For all you know, he's probably thinking, ooh, the OKC Thunder have a nice and bright future. Let's go back to OKC and win a championship so I can get some credibility with my original fans. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. So at the very end... At the very worst, worst case scenario, if Kevin Durant leaves, if Kyrie Irving leaves, you have a nice 25-year-old former number one overall pick that's locked into a contract for the next four years that you could potentially build around. You're, You're getting rid of James Harden, who, don't get me wrong, James Harden, awesome offensive player, the best player, the best offensive weapon in NBA history over Michael Jordan. He's 32 years old. You don't know how good, how much longer he's going to be this good for. This is the Philadelphia 76ers swinging for the fences when they are taking on James Harden. And hopefully it works out. Yeah. Um, my, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just want to add something short. And that was that I'm actually a little concerned about Harden's motor too. And on top of being concerned about Harden's motor, I mean, we know if he's invested, he's going to play hard. But on top of being concerned about his motor, I'm concerned about his hamstring. So, yeah. There's a there are a lot of a lot of moving parts there. I'll just say with James Harden, like again, like 
like especially with the age yeah too like uh, he did not expect to have to carry in a team this like much offensively like he expected Kyrie to have to be there the whole time he expected Kevin Durant to you know be right there with him like James Harden has ended up like playing a lot of games like you know putting on the same wear and tear of his body that he was looking to avoid to be better in the playoffs so I do feel like you know if you he does go to Philly like I I mean you never know with these kind of things of course but I mean, Daryl Morey like treats him like a god, and they have like they both have a good relationship back and forth. They you know respect each other. I feel like if there is one place where James Harden's gonna go, and like you know really like we like remember James Harden last year, we saw him. He was passing like he literally went from we were, everyone was going is this situation gonna work in Houston? Went to the Nets, immediately made it work. Immediately was passing like amazingly, was looking great. I feel like you know goes to the 76ers, new culture, new everything like. At the end of the day, it comes down to, is he just sick of this Nets like team? of Is he sick of the Kyrie stuff? Is he sick of handling the offensive load? Because if all of that's true, he goes to Philly. He's got a fresh start. He's got Joel Embiid on his team. It's going to play much better, in my opinion. We've heard a lot, you know, like James Harden. It's like, oh, he's saying he's going to stay, right? Isn't that kind of, in a weird way, the admirable thing to do as an NBA player? <laughs> I know that it's directly lying to people, so it just seems so weird. But if you go, I'm unhappy, and if you go, I want to leave, you hurt your own trade value. So, like, telling people straight to their face, yeah, I'm staying, is the only thing that maintains James Harden's trade value. It doesn't tell people he wants out. So that's just like something I thought of, I wanted to just say, because like, I feel like people get a lot of, you know, like heat for like lying to the media, like to that, but it's like, what are they supposed to possibly do? And the only thing that they can do with telling the truth, it hurts their own team so that they're trying to get traded for. So <laughs> all right, guys, I guess just independent thought by uh, Mike. Uh, now. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought in my head, I thought in my head, I agree, but I was also looking at the topic <laughs> list, trying to figure out how to transition. And I agree to uh, the next topic. All right, guys, I'm, I've been given closeout opportunity because I have not been here, but uh, thank you guys for watching. It's been the Lace Up Podcast. We are on Apple and Spotify six hours earlier every single time we do an upload, which is Monday and Wednesdays. Nope. Which is which is Tuesdays and Thursdays. That is where you can find us on YouTube and Apple and Spotify. And also, guys, thank you so much. First of all, congratulations to everyone involved. We have officially hit 40,000 subscribers. Of course, it happened while I was not on the episode. So congrats to you guys for pushing us to the final thing. But guys, we are giving away a PS5 or an Xbox Series X to one of you. We have finally hit that 40K. We are going to be choosing a winner uh, over this week. And then next week, we will, we will officially announce the winner of the giveaway. I'm super excited for that. Super excited to give back to you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, any words from you guys? Coop's going to say go Pelicans, isn't he? He always says go Pelicans. Go Bulls. Oh. Um, One guys, seed. We haven't talked uh, about the again, Bulls, too. We actually got to do that soon. But This podcast is uploaded six hours earlier on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. What? Six hours sooner than when we uploaded to YouTube? Yeah, make sure you guys check us out on Spotify and Apple if you guys want to get these podcasts soon enough so you could listen to us yelling at each other on your drive to work or drive back. 